That is uh, the trailer for a new movie that uh, will be released this weekend. And I encourage you to go out and spend your money to support uh, something like this and also hear the message that it has to say. There's a, there's a ministry that's highlighted uh, in this movie, Home Run, the movie, uh, called Celebrate Recovery, which is closely connected to the heart of our church. And uh, each week, uh, every Wednesday night, uh, we have Celebrate Recovery gathering that uh, people come to to share their hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And it's a great time. They have dinner, which is, uh, I, I sneak down there once in a while and eat dinner with them. It's good stuff. Often from uh, Treebeard's Restaurant downtown, there's a, a time of worship and a, a time of sharing. And just encourage you, uh, if you need a place to share, that this is a good place for you. And you can also tell your friends and family about that. And our Celebrate Recovery ministry is, is nearing the celebration of their third anniversary. And this is something that God has blessed in a mighty way. And Johnny Wagner and the other leaders involved there are going to celebrate that third anniversary on Friday night, May the 3rd. And everyone's invited to attend. It's going to be a great time of fellowship and a concert of worship and celebration. So I encourage you to put that on your calendars. There's another important event coming up in, uh, in our community that uh, is, has a great focus on those that need a home. And I want us to run that uh, promo right now for Wait No More. If this command is clear and the need is great, why are these kids still waiting? Over 4,000 kids in Texas foster care are waiting for adoptive families. And Texas has more than 25,000 churches with families who can change these kids' lives forever. So join Focus on the Family and the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services, along with local church and community leaders, Saturday, April 27th, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Houston's First Baptist Church. Wait no more. Finding families for Texas's waiting kids. For more information and to register, visit icareaboutorphans.org. The Bible says that God is a God who puts uh, the homeless into families, and He does that through His people. So if that's something that you ought to be thinking about and praying about, I encourage, encourage you to do that, and that event is coming up, as it said, April 27th at Houston First Baptist Church. If you've got more questions about that, you could maybe ask Pastor Chad or Don Ballard, who's with Arrow Ministries, which is an a, uh, organization that helps uh, families and children with foster care and adoption. And uh, that's something that God's people should be involved in. Uh, speaking of our community involvement, uh, I stopped by yesterday at Wilburn Elementary, the elementary school just to our north that uh, we partner with, and they were having their annual carnival and fundraiser, and there was a great turnout there. Jen Watson and her PTO crew and people were out there, and then we had, when I was there, at least about 15 to 20 people from our church there taking it all in, either participating or volunteering, and I thank all of you that did that. And uh, I spoke with uh, Principal Dr. Mars and also with one of the associate principals, uh, Tammy Crosno, and they were just, they're just so grateful for our church's involvement with them. And it's a great thing that we're doing there, and I encourage you to, uh, to participate in that and continue to pray for Wilburn and their students and teachers and volunteer in any way you can. And speaking of Wilburn, next Sunday we have an annual event that will happen there next Sunday, April 21st, following our worship service 
at Wilburn Elementary, we will have our annual spaghetti lunch and pie auction that goes to su support our teenagers, our student ministries, and all the big events they have for the year so that they can go to camp, they can go to retreat, they can go on a mission trip, and the lunch is free. So lunch is on us next week. I hope you're here. Even the seconds are free if there's something to be had. And then the pie auction proceeds will go to support our students and just encourage you to be a part of that. It's not too late to sign up today in your worship folder if you want to bake something to, to be a part of that. We'll look forward to, uh, to bidding and sharing all those goodies together. So let's just continue to be active and vital in, in our community and encouraging and helping one another in all the ministries that God's called us to. Let's get ready now to continue to worship by giving our tithes and offerings that uh, we might glorify God and support his church. May the Lord continue to pour his spirit out upon us. Luke chapter 15 is uh, just absolutely one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. If you want to know what the heart of God is like, uh, just read Luke chapter 15. And as, uh, as we read this today, uh, we note at the beginning of this chapter that Jesus often addressed people who didn't understand what he and the kingdom of God were all about. And he very often spoke to them about it in stories. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. And this made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the ninety-nine others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. And when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now, before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine came over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. And the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. And when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, 
At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father, and I will say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me in as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, and filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening for the feast. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and now has been returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. And when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told. And your father's killed the fattened calf. And we're celebrating because of his return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. So his father came out and begged him. And he replied, all these years I've slayed for you and never once to... To do a single thing, all these years I have slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you've told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. And his father said to him, Look, dear son, You have always been with me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. In these three stories that Jesus told that Luke recorded in that 15th chapter, I think the major matter that, that comes through, the major issue, the, the major point that comes through, it's, it's all about value. It's all about the value that people have with God. The stories are about, about searching for something or someone that, that belongs but is missing. And I think what we see woven in these stories is that belonging is so very much connected to a deep sense of value. Belonging is connected to value. You'll go to great lengths. You'll go to great lengths to find and to keep, hold on to, to care for something that's highly valuable to you. Now, it may not have as much value to someone else, but to you, it's highly valuable. And because of that, you'll go to great lengths to to find it if it's lost, to hold on to it, 
to put it somewhere safe, to somewhere important. You'll, you'll do whatever it takes to care for it if you value it enough. And for Jesus, it's pretty clear that it's not things but people that have the highest value. That's clearly communicated in these three parables. He speaks to us about value and belonging. And, and I think that in these stories, he speaks to us about it in a way that, that connects, that speaks to us about the, what I'm going to say are maybe the three most important places in our lives. The three most important places of belonging in our lives. The first of those is home. Home. The place that you call home. The people identified with that. Home should be a place where people are highly, highly valued. It should be that place. I, I like the Toy Story movies. I don't know, I don't know if you do. And... Uh, I like all three of them. Three is probably my favorite. Maybe it's just because I, I've seen it the most. You know, there's some movies that you're flipping the channels and you go by, and, and if, if that movie's on, you're just going to stop and watch for whatever amount of time you have. And I, I do that with movies like, you know, really edifying good movies like Braveheart, Gladiator, uh, Tombstone. Uh, Lord help me. But Toy Story 3 is like that for me. Really, any of the Toy Story movies. And, and going back, you know, to the first one, which I didn't realize, man, it's been a long time since they made that first Toy Story movie, hasn't it? It's pushing like 18 years or something like that. In, in Toy Story, the first movie, you know, the main character is Woody, the, the, uh, the little stuffed toy cowboy, and uh, Buzz Lightyear, the toy astronaut. There, there's, this, there's this conversation that goes on where Woody, who, who kind of sees himself as the head toy, is talking to, to Buzz Lightyear, the, the, uh, the action figure, and he's trying to convince him, you know, that you're not, you're not really a space ranger. You're not really some space hero. You're just an action figure toy. You're a child's plaything, Woody tells him. And only after failing to, to fly, Buzz realizes the truth of Woody's statement. And he's grief-stricken, disillusioned. Do you remember it? And he hangs his head in resignation, declaring, I'm just a stupid, little, insignificant toy. Later on, Woody has a little bit of change of heart towards Buzz and, and feels badly about that whole thing, and he seeks to comfort his friend. He wants to comfort him by underscoring the, the love of the boy who owns them both. And he says to him, you must not be thinking clearly. Look over in that house. There's a kid who thinks you're the greatest, and it's not because you're a space ranger. It's because you're his. And as Buzz lifts his foot, he sees a label affixed to the bottom of his shoe. And there in black permanent ink is the name of the little boy to whom he belongs. What is it, Andy? Right there on the bottom of his foot is, in big letters, is Andy. And seeing the name of his owner, Buzz breaks into a smile, a 
and takes on a whole new demeanor because he belonged to somebody. Last week, we talked about our home atmosphere. We talked about the fact that God's desire is that every one of our homes, no matter if one person lives there or 13 people live there, that God's desire is that that, that home would be marked by the presence of God. And when you think about that, clearly that should be a place where it is communicated how highly valuable every member of a family is. So I want to ask you this morning, what are you doing to make that a reality in your home? What are you doing intentionally, unintentionally, thinking about it, not I mean, what, what are you doing to make that a reality in your home? What are you doing to make it a place where, where you would be able to say, and where anyone else there would be able to say, I know that I am highly valued and deeply loved here. That may not be the case where I work. It may not be the case where I go to school. It may not be the case in other places where I'm out and about and have interact, but I know here I am highly valued and deeply loved. And it's not based on what I do. It's not based on how I perform. It's not based on what I look like today. It's based on the fact that I belong here. I'm valued here. What are you doing to foster that? What do you talk about at home? Refer you back to Deuteronomy chapter 6 that we looked at last week where the Lord said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Write His, write His word on your forehead, on your hands, on your doorpost. Talk about it when you, when you get up, when you go to sleep, when you walk around. Not only what do you talk about, but how do you talk? That communicates the value. I saw this uh, this uh, school questionnaire that um, some principal published segments of it, and uh, one of the questionnaires for the parents to fill out was language spoken at home. And one's one mom's response wasn't English or Spanish or Vietnamese. It, it was mostly positive. Unless I've had a bad day, and then there's some cussing. <laughs> what language is spoken in your home? What are you doing to make your home a place where people are highly valued? I said that in these, in these uh, parables that, that I see three places maybe the most important places in our lives where Jesus is speaking to us about where we should be highly valued. And the second of those is church. Church should be a place where people are highly valued. You say, Pastor, I didn't see the word church in any of those stories that you read out of Luke 15. Uh, you would be right about that. 
But clearly Jesus is talking about the value of people in the kingdom of God, in His kingdom. And the church should be the place where kingdom of God values are fully on display. This should be the place that demonstrates a connection to the kingdom of God and the value that people have there. So my question is this, church, this is addressed to all of you, it's addressed to me. What, what are we doing to make this a place? And not just this physical building, but what we call church, us. What are we doing to make this a place where people are highly valued and feel like they belong? One of my favorite stories that I, that I read years ago, and I've, I've shared it a time or two with different groups. I'm sure I've shared it here. It's found in a book called The Whisper Test. It's a story about a, a lady named Marianne Bird, and she wrote her biography, and she said, I, I grew up knowing I was different, and I hated it. I was born with a cleft palate, and when I started to school, my classmates made it clear to me how different I was and how I looked to others. I was a little girl with a misshapen lip and a crooked nose and lopsided teeth and garbled speech. And when schoolmates would ask me what happened to your lip, I'd tell them I'd fallen out of a tree and cut it on a piece of glass because somehow to me it just seemed more acceptable to have suffered an accident than to have been born like that. And she said, I was convinced that no one outside of my family could love me. She said, but there was a teacher, a teacher in the second grade that all of us kids just adored. Her name was Mrs. Leonard. She was a short and kind of round, but very happy, sparkling kind of personality lady. And you can tell this is several years ago, and I'm old enough to remember these, but she said annually we had a hearing test at school. And Mrs. Leonard gave the test to everyone in the class, and finally it was my turn, and it would go like this. I knew from past years that you would stand against the door and you would cover one ear. And Mrs. Mrs. Leonard, sitting at her desk, would whisper something. And we would have to repeat it back to show that we could hear her. She would whisper something like, The sky is blue. Do you have new shoes? And Marianne said, I'll never forget the words that God must have put in her mouth when it was my turn. Mrs. Leonard said seven words that changed my life. Mrs. Leonard said in her whisper, I wish you were my little girl. That changed my life, Marianne said. And she said, later on, I came to realize that God says to every person whose life has been deformed and messed up by sin in this crazy world, I wish you were my son or my daughter. God's desire is for everyone 
to belong to him. His desire is for everyone to belong to his church, to his body, to his family. And so I ask us again, are we doing all that we should do to make that a reality? Are we opening up our hearts, our homes, our life groups, our ministries? Are we opening up ourselves to invite people, to include people who need a sense of value, who need a place to belong? In these parables of Jesus, that that sense of value and, and a willingness to pay a great price to make that happen come through loud and clear. And there's, there's also a, a sense of, uh, of welcome that you get. You see the open arms, the open heart of God. You, you see that God is looking for reasons not to exclude, but it include. You see that God is looking for reasons not to, not to push down, but to lift up. You see that God's looking for reasons to celebrate with people. He wants people to know they belong. Antoine Fisher was a young uh, naval officer whose life was chronicled, and they made a movie about his life several years ago. And, uh, and I've referred to this story before as well, but it's just in a, in a chapter where Jesus does nothing but tell us stories. I think he wants us to see ourselves in these stories. And this is another place where, where we see this sense of belonging. The story of Antoine Fisher, a young naval officer who was abandoned by his mother and father. In this clip, I want you to watch for a couple of minutes. He meets his mother. And then later on, he discovers that he has a big family who's longed to welcome him. Watch this. You know, that's what, that's what home should be like. I know it can't be that way every minute of every day, but you get the sense of value and belonging. That's, that, that's what home should be like. It's what church should, should be like. It's what it should feel like. I know it always doesn't. It's not always a reality in our homes. It's not always a reality in the church. But there is one place where it is always that way. And Jesus communicates this so clearly. Home should be, church should be, but heaven is a place where people are highly valued. It's never in question. It's never not that way. It's just so very clear. I think Jesus made it so crystal clear when he says what he said in verse 7. In the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous in heaven straight away. Verse 10, in the same way, there's joy in the presence of God's angels 
when one sinner repents, when one person comes and says, here I am, and God says, you belong. It, it said that in the, it's communicated so clearly to me in the story of the loving father and the lost son, when he, the father says, quick, bring the finest robe in the house, put it on him, get a ring for his finger, kill the fattened calf. Let's celebrate with a feast. My son was dead, now he's returned to life. Let the party begin. The Lord is saying very loudly in the word today how much people matter to him. Even people who are a long way away from him. You know, there's something else that strikes me in this teaching of Jesus. There, there's no mention in the stories that the sheep or the son had to get their act together first before they would be welcomed, before they could belong. The son just recognizes that he's in need. And he hopes to get just a little help from his father. But the heart of God is communicated like this. The father sings, runs to open arms. Clearly communicating, you belong here. You belong here. Let's celebrate. And it's communicated very clearly to us that we are not in any way to be like the big brother with an attitude. Instead of saying this, says, in our families, in our homes, in our church, and every facet of it, we're supposed to communicate. We should seek to communicate and demonstrate that we have the sense of belonging and value. That's a reality in heaven at this moment. Right now, every single person in this room and every single person outside of this room has the highest value to the heart of God. And He wants that to be reflected where we live, where we worship, where we grow, serve. I want to close with, a, with a, yet another story today. Rick Rousseau is a, is a pastor. He, he wrote a book called The Externally Focused Church. That's uh, worth reading. Rick tells a story of, uh, of what happened when his father retired. His father had worked for this company for like 48 years or so. And the, uh, the end of his employment had come kind of unceremoniously. And Rick uh, made the trip from a few hours away uh, to the surprise of his father. 
When his father walked out the company doors towards the security gate, carrying the cardboard box with the personal belongings from his office, his son Rick was waiting there outside the gate, and when his dad came through the gate, Rick was standing there by himself across the street. His dad looked up. So what are you doing here? I didn't have any idea you were going to going to be here. And you said, Dad, I wanted to come and, and be here and tell you I'm proud of you. It's a great accomplishment working for this company all these years. And I just wanted to, to tell you I'm proud of you. It meant a, meant a lot to me. And the father didn't know that his son had also set up a, a special dinner that night with a lot of friends and family to celebrate and, and honor his dad. He'd set up the next morning um, a golf game with a, a few of his dad's closest friends and a couple other family members, and they spent all that time together. And, and he just said, you know, it's great to be with you, Dad. I just wanted to come and let you know I'm really proud of you. About a week later, back at home, Rick got a card in the mail. It was from his dad. And inside the, the card, he, he wrote, you know, thank you for what you did. Thanks for coming. And then he said this. He said, I, I suppose that I will get to heaven before you. Just the fact that I'm quite a bit older, that's my expectation. And I suppose I'll get to heaven before you get there. But when I get there, I'm going to ask the Lord for one special request. One request I'm going to ask of him is that when the time for your arrival comes to come through heaven's gates, I'm going to ask him to allow me to stand there and say, well done, son. I'm proud of you. Welcome. You belong here. Do you have that sense of belonging in your life today, in your heart? I don't know if you have it at home. Some of you may not. That's just the reality of living in this world. The truth is, some of you may be sitting here, and that's not really the way church feels to you either. I hope we can do better in our homes and in our church. But I want to reassure every single one of you here today that that is how God feels about you. That is what God wants for you. He wants you to know that He values you higher than you could ever imagine. That His heart towards you is like a father with open arms welcoming back a lost son not based on whether or not you've somehow got it together all of a sudden this morning or not you just mean that much to him and he longs for you to know what it is to belong to him and he's calling every one of us to not only know that,
but then to share it and communicate it with people in our homes, in our church, and everywhere else in our lives. Jesus, I thank you so much for the stories you told. We see ourselves in those stories. We see you. We see others. We see your heart. And sometimes we see how far we are from that. But Lord, I, I come today with a, an awareness of your presence in this place and an awareness of the need that so many of us have to know that we're highly valued today. Lord, I pray especially that you would speak to the person here this morning who who doesn't really have a sense that they belong to you. Maybe they feel like they've been just too far away. Just too much has gone on. Just know how far short of doing everything you ought to do and being everything you ought to be. There's a lot to repent of. There's a lot that needs to be changed. And Lord, I just pray this morning that you just help them to see that all they have to do is just simply turn to you. Just turn around from those other things and say, Lord, I I turn to you today. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need your help. And I really want to leave all that other behind. So help me today. Save me. Lord, I pray for the person that, that just somehow here today is life is uh, it's hard, it's lonely. The enemy says it's not worth it, you're not worth it, you're not of value. You're no good to yourself or anyone else. Lord, I just pray that somehow through your Holy Spirit and then through your church and your people and through others, they would hear today that they are valued. They're welcome. They belong. Lord, I just pray that for all of us that somehow have some even some measure in our hearts that we think we kind of have it all worked out and and our hearts just aren't as open or compa- as compassionate as your heart is I just pray that you'll soften us you'll open us up open our arms to others and God I pray for every household of one or 15 here today that your presence would be known there people would feel like they're valued and loved there regardless I pray for our church that you would extend our welcome there are many more people that we need to reach out to there are many people that are on the fringes of the church and not sure if they belong here or not and Lord show us what to do 
And then, Lord, I just want to thank you today (laughs) that heaven is a place where every one of us has ultimate value. place where celebration takes place when we turn our hearts to you. Help us to know this today, Jesus. Help us to hear. We have been in the presence of the Almighty, yes? Are we in agreement? He is the one we've come to serve. He's the one who has called us all. Please be seated. If you have ever parented visited with someone who has parented, braved the waters of parenting and then grandparenting, you have experienced more than likely adolescence. We all have been through it. We potentially are going that direction. There is an incredible class for belonging. For those of us who have uh, the potential to parent teenagers, teach teenagers, be grandparents of teenagers, anybody um, have a drama queen living in your home? Uh, anybody have a tough guy living in your home? Uh, any of, anybody willing to be brave enough to raise your hand and say, yes, I am a recovering drama queen. I have once been that tough guy. There are so many elements to adolescence, not only being one, but parenting one. And we invite you to come uh, this Wednesday through the Wednesday nights of May for a DVD-based discussion uh, class. Michelle Anderson, who is not with us as she is at a, um, a clergy conference, a women in clergy conference in Aspen, and we miss her today. She and I will be coordinating the discussion on Wednesday nights. Um, it is not just for parents of fifth and sixth graders who have teenagers coming. If you've done it, feel like you messed it up, come on, let's discuss. Um, there is an author, Mark Gregston. He is with Heartlight Ministries, and he has many years of not only parenting, but also in helping those who might face tough guys and drama queens, how not to get blindsided by your child's teen years. We invite you to come and join us as we discuss and encounter the uh, amazing opportunities here with our teenagers. Now, Pastor Don will give the benediction. Well, I'm glad you've uh, got that under control as our kids enter into adolescence, so uh, (laughs) makes me feel better about uh, living in the Ballard home. If you are a guest today, we are so glad that you are here, first-time guest or maybe returning guest. Uh, pastoral staff here would like to invite you to um, uh, meet, I guess, at the, at the back table in the foyer, the Welcome Center, uh, to fill out a card, to meet some people, to get a gift, uh, just kind of to make uh, this church more of a home to you and, uh, and us better acquainted with who you are. So if you're a first-time or returning guest, we'd love for you to share with uh, us at the back table. Please stand for the benediction this morning. Finally, brethren, rejoice. Be made complete. Be comforted. Be like-minded. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us go this morning to make our homes more like the home that God has for us and to make our world more like the world that God has created for us to live. God bless you this morning. Go in the peace of Christ Jesus.